Hello, welcome to Dying to Talk. I'm Buddy Feneff, a fourth generation funeral director in New Hampshire and the owner of Feneff Funeral Homes and Crematorium and the founder of the Cremation Society of New Hampshire. My co-hosts today are Mandy Damaris and Madison Smith, both longtime funeral directors with our firm. Hello, I'm Mandy. Thanks for joining us on Dying to Talk. Hi, I'm Madison. We're excited to discuss some frequently asked questions about the funeral industry. Dying to Talk is a lighthearted and upbeat discussion of those topics no one really wants to talk about. Each episode, we will choose a subject that is related to funeral service, the cremation process, or death and dying. This week, we're actually talking about um, a, a topic that we've we, we've been needing to talk about. We've actually deferred it. It's talking about the heroin crisis here in New Hampshire, and specifically the role of the medical examiner and those medical examiners that are actually on the front line dealing with it, being the first responders. Our guest this morning is Wayne D. Geronimo. Wayne is an assistant deputy medical examiner with the medical examiner's office in Concord, New Hampshire. As you know, it's not uncommon for us to come in on a Monday morning and find out we've had responded to two or three heroin overdose or um, opioid overdose on the weekend, and mm-hmm. it's just it's sad, and I don't, unfortunately, I don't see it getting any better anytime soon. No, definitely not. Good morning, Wayne. Welcome to Dying to Talk. Thanks for having me. Well, subject, as I mentioned, that um, certainly top of mind for us, top of mind for many funeral homes in New Hampshire, but um, you know more than more than most how, how this is really just completely ravaging families and society in New Hampshire. And um, so what's the demographic? What are you what are you seeing out there, you know, in the field in terms of these folks who are passing away of heroin, opiate and fentanyl? I'd like to be able to tell you that it's all the low income, downtrodden people um, of the of the of the state, but that's just not the way it is anymore. Um, Ten years ago, when I used to see uh, heroin overdoses, then they tended to be just that. Now they cross all lines. We have businessmen, college students, housewives. Everybody's, you know, all all demographics are covered now. It's and I I completely agree. I was on a uh, TV show back last year and, and on a panel, and I've never done this before. But I've asked my staff to say, "Hey, can, let's get some statistics on some of these um, folks." And I would have thought same as you. You know, low socioeconomic. You know, younger men. We actually had we found at least in our sample, which is about sixty or so people, um, more women than men. Um, slightly older demographic, thirty three, thirty four. And again, this is just our demographic. You obviously have a much bigger with the state, but um, from extremely wealthy, coming from wealthy families to street people to everyone in between, um, from an age of fifty seven years old, I think, to a, a unfortunately a. Uh, an unborn baby who passed away. So I think you're seeing the same right. types of things that, that we are. Now, are you saying, I mean, <clears throat> they're really pushing Narcan and, you know, the overdose kits for people at home. Um, does that seem to be having an effect on the overall death toll? Or is, is it slowing down at all? Or is it still running at the same clip, even though they're pushing all of those assistance? I haven't. Our office hasn't seen a decline in the deaths. Um, it's almost kind of a placebo effect. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing that it's out there sort of makes people feel like they're safe. Mm. They have one get-out-of-jail-free card as far as overdoses go. The problem is you have to be on top of it. You have to be there. You have to be know how to use the Narcan. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people that 
tend to be doing heroin are either alone, mm -hmm. and hence they die alone, or they're with other people that you know are lower character. And they don't want to get in trouble, so and they, they take run. off. Yeah. Right. yeah, and the Narcan just doesn't get used. I want to take a step back as to <clears throat> how does a medical examiner become involved in a case? Is this something that the police are calling you? Or is it a family? Who, how do you get notified of a death? What happens, let's say somebody finds a person unresponsive at their residence, a residence. 911 is called. Fire, ambulance, police all respond to the scene. If the ambulance personnel make the determination that this person is non-resuscitatable, i.e. dead, then the ambulance and fire department crews clear the scene. The police now own the scene. The police will call their dispatch center, who will call the state, um, in, in the Hillsborough County region, will call the uh, state police headquarters. And then it's their responsibility to call the medical examiner who is on call. If oh. that's me... I now call the police officer at the scene. This is pretty quick, but that's how it cycled back. I'm now in contact with the scene police officer, and then we go from there. Wow, so quite a long chain to, but it's uh, fast. to get to yeah. you. It's yeah. fast. Now, with respect to, to, to the, um, the heroin and the, the opiate overdoses, how often, and I know back, I'm, I'm dating myself, but I remember years ago when, when there was a, a thought of it might have been some sort of drug overdose, in almost every case, the medical examiner's office was conducting an autopsy. Is that still the case now, or has it become like, yep, this is another heroin overdose, we don't need to, you know, we know, we understand from the scene? There, it, it's working two ways. Originally, I mean, the, the bottom line is autopsies cost money for the state. Autopsies take time. We're understaffed, at least in regards to our pathologists. We have two pathologists trying to do all the autopsies in the state. In the past, they could keep up with that load. It's just a big load to try to keep up with. So we start having to pick and choose when we're going to do an autopsy. And if we, I'm sorry, if we have compelling evidence that this is, in fact, uh, a drug overdose, and I say compelling evidence is, Equipment at the scene, you know, paraphernalia at the scene, drugs at the scene, a history of known narcotic abuse. If all those things are present, often we would just do a toxicology and, and um, no autopsy. But now with the drug task force on board and a real push to start putting the criminals away, more and more we are doing autopsies again. Hmm. So it seemed like it's almost come full circle. It's come full where circle, exactly. Almost every drug overdose because it was not a common occurrence resulted in an autopsy and then it's still we still pick and choose when we're going to do an autopsy if if we have strong leads as to a supplier of the drug the police will request the autopsy okay. but if we don't you know if we just have a dead person we have drugs we know it's an overdose but there's nothing to connect anybody to it and prosecution is almost out of the question more often than not, we still won't. But it's not a pick-and-choose case-by-case. So the autopsies now are really aren't being done to determine the cause of death, which you know it's really to get evidence for potentially... That's exactly what it is. It's, it's to build a case, build a case. for, huh. for uh, prosecution. Can you explain, because you, 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 um, you, you mentioned it just so our, our listeners can understand. So what's the difference, and I know I'm getting off topic a little bit, the difference between doing a, an autopsy versus toxicology? 
okay, if if I go to the scene and I do my workup, I do my investigation with the police that are on the scene, um, and then I contact my boss, be it Dr. Thomas Andrew or Dr. Jenny Duval, together we make a decision, do we need to do an autopsy? If they decide we do not need to do an autopsy for whatever the reasoning, then that decedent is taken back to a local funeral home, in which case an external exam only is conducted. Um, that would be done by myself or my coworkers. Mm -hmm. The body is, is photographed, all the details of their condition are logged, and then we do toxicology, blood draws, and submit that to see what the ultimate cause of death is. On the other hand, if it's determined that the decedent is going to come in for autopsy, then they come in to the office in Concord. Everywhere in the state, if a person dies, they go to our office in Concord, and one of the two doctors will perform the autopsy. An autopsy is a full internal and external examination. As for, you mentioned you're part of Hillsborough County. Um, are there medical examiners for each county, or do you cross county lines? We cross county lines. No. I mean, there's several for each county, and then most of us cover more than mm -hmm. one county. Do you find that, in, at least in your experience, or the counties that you cover, uh, is there a concentration of overdoses in certain areas? There's still a concentration in the big cities. Yeah. I mean, Nashua and Manchester still, you know, are, are tops on the scale. Well, it's, because it's a it's a exactly. question of numbers, right? The it's, higher it's population. Mm -hmm. So all your bigger cities tend to have, you know, I mean, they're seeing it everywhere. Mm -hmm. Nashua, Manchester, obviously. But all the other ones too. But the smaller communities. We've responded to rural communities and you know right. small populations. So the yes, smaller communities are no longer exempt. Right. right. Have you gotten to a point with yet where you know you're you're facing your night on call and it's no longer a question of you know am I going to go out? It's where am I going to go and how many times? I mean, it's almost reliable. No, I mean you, you can't say that. You see, a lot of these people, you got to remember, because of the environments they're doing these drugs. Uh, they may die tonight, and they may not get found for a day or two. Mm. So just because they die tonight doesn't mean I'm going out tonight. Mm -hmm. And it might be a couple of days before they're discovered, and only mm -hmm. then do we get involved. Mm -hmm. I mean, when when you're on for a county like Hillsborough, you just don't get too comfortable. You pretty much know you're, something's going to happen. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it is. We, we, we keep referring to it as heroin, but um, it's really the whole family of opioids. Can you address that, especially if you're doing toxicology and um, sort of the difference in, in, in now with, with fentanyl involved? And it seems like once that was introduced, the, the frequency of people overdosing seemed to rise exponentially. Well, and can you, can you talk yeah. about that a little bit? Uh, let, me, let me go back to the beginning here. We didn't touch on this. Question is, why all of a sudden are there a lot of heroin overdoses? Right, that's a good question. The state of New Hampshire has done a very impressive job of getting prescription narcotics off the street. Real hard to get them. In my first, I've been doing this for 22 years. The first 15 years on this job, it was almost always prescription narcotics. For drug overdoses. For drug overdoses. Right. It's your Percocets, it's your hydrocodones, it's your morphines. Those drugs, for the last several years, have been really difficult to get on the streets. The state has done a great job of clamping down. The problem is all your oxycodone, all your methadone, and all the other types of addicts are still addicts, and they can no longer get those medications. So now they've been forced 
to go the, the other route, which is your heroin fentanyl. It's almost always sold as heroin, but fentanyl is made its way in. It has essentially the same effect. I'm told even more potent. I can't confirm that, but it's so much cheaper to put together. So it's a synthetic narcotic. So, so fentanyl's cheaper than heroin. Right. I mean, in order to get heroin into the country, you got to start with with a poppy field. You got to grow it. It's an, ag- become, it's an agricultural product, <clears throat> and, and it's, it's labor intensive, and, and yeah. it's got to make its way to the U.S. Fentanyl is being being put together in the labs in Mexico, and they can make it for pennies on the dollar. Hmm. So it comes up here. It's sold as, as heroin. It's evidently just as good, just as lethal. If, so all that is going on, and it coincides at a time when heroin is super cheap and super potent. Let's say you're an addict and is used to doing two milligrams of 40% pure heroin. And all of a sudden, you get something that is 80% pure, but you still do the two milligrams that you've always done. You have essentially just doubled the dose without even realizing it. So until heroin is FDA approved, this is going to continue. There's no labeling when you're buying That's heroin right. on the There's street. No so. Nutrition facts? No. no. There's none of that stuff. And so we're getting really potent heroin at a really cheap cost. It's cheaper than Percocets. Wow. Oh, wow. I know you mentioned Narcan for, for, um, to reverse an overdose, but what about people seeking treatment from their addiction? Is Suboxone helping at all, or is that just another addiction on its own? It is another addiction, but Suboxone does help. It definitely curbs the mm-hmm. appetite and for do you narcotics. Know, how does that work? Do you know? It's pain receptors. It's um, neuroreceptors. So heroin affects different neuroreceptors in the brain. Uh, Suboxone blocks those receptors mm-hmm. by filling the same slot. So even so you, if you were taking Suboxone and then used heroin, you would not get No, that's high. not true. The, the, the point about Suboxone is you lose the urge to do oh, narcotics. Interesting. You don't want to do narcotics mm-hmm. when you're doing Suboxone. It fills the need that you're looking to, 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 uh, to conquer. But then you can, <clears throat> in turn, get... Addicted you can get suboxone. addicted to suboxone. You get your, it's just like methadone. Mm-hmm. You know, methadone is used to treat heroin. Mm-hmm. The thing about methadone is you know what you're getting. Two milligrams mm-hmm. of methadone is two milligrams of methadone. Because it's FDA. So it's controlled. It's issued, you know, in, in facilities. But you can become addicted just as easily. Can you overdose from it? Of course you can. You can. And we see those too. You do? Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. we do. Certainly not to the frequency that you're seeing. No, no, no. No. With the opioids. That's correct. Okay. But we do see methadone. We see suboxone overdoses. Right. So it's a dangerous drug, too. Hmm. So are there known, and, and I, 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 I know the answer to this based on our own limited experience in responding to, to, to you know, overdoses. Mm-hmm. Are there known in some of the major cities, are there known neighborhoods? Are there known houses that are known to be, I know. Yeah, are you repeating the same repeating, you know, going locations? Going back to the same you know, it's, um, street address or? This would be a direction for the police and the EMS people because mm-hmm. they're the ones. I remember for every every person that dies of an overdose, there are there's 20 people that overdose that don't die. Right. So the police and the EMS people see these people over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are houses that are known. I know in our experience last year, we actually over a weekend, we responded to the same room 
in the same rooming house for two heroin overdoses, one on a Friday and one on a Sunday. I mean, it's... It's absolutely, yeah, those, yeah. it's the same people. I mean, I've over the years, I've had a husband die, and then a couple of years later, I get a wife that dies, both heroin overdoses. I went to a scene not that long ago where there was a deceased gentleman in a rooming house. He had a roommate. His roommate was asked to leave while the police conducted their investigation. The very next day, I had the roommate dead from an overdose yeah. in another facility. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you, it's the same groups of people. But then again, the sort of the dichotomy, the next day, we'll respond to a heroin overdose in Bedford in a beautiful home with loving Lots of those. family. And it just it's true. really just gets it, getting back to just com- completely crosses the well, whole socioeconomic. Remember, you know, people of every socioeconomic class can become addicted. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And once you start losing the ability to get the stuff that most would consider safe, the hydrocodones, the oxycodones, you got to go somewhere. You know, they're still addicts. Mm-hmm. And the only place left is, is what's available, and that is the heroin and fentanyl. So you've been doing this for a while, Wayne. What do you see? I mean, granted, we're only, you know, five or so months into the year. How do you see the, the heroin, fentanyl, opiate problem now compared to last year is it getting better obviously it's more top of mind it's you know the social media sites that have responded i mean there's been tv shows police i mean everyone is much more yeah does it seem worse because we're talking about it so much or is it worse because it's actually worse it's worse because it's worse is it yeah like i say the narcan is a good attempt i suppose lives have been saved not by ems people with narcan but by um other people, families, you know, mm-hmm. parents with Narcan, but it's still really bad, and it's going to be bad for a while. Yeah. So you, you you know unequivocally that the medical examiner's office has responded to more. We are already ahead of last year. Are you really? Oh, wow. Yes. Wow. Five months into it. Yeah, and a lot of the ones that they've counted, it doesn't even count all the ones that are pending toxicology. Mm. And so these are just definitive overdoses. These are deaths. definitive known overdoses. We're already ahead of last year. And there are scores of unresolved cases that are pending toxicology, most of which are going to come back that way. Come back as? That's, well, that's overdoses. Well, hmm. I do have a question. I would presume that most of these deaths are accidental. I mean, people are just getting high. But how would you determine if it's actually a suicide? Like an intentional overdose, yeah. I've never seen in my entire career, I'm not going to say it's never happened, but in my career, I've never had a heroin fentanyl overdose that was deemed a suicide. Um, But the way we do it in other medications, number one, you look at how much is put, how much the person took. I'm not going to use my hand signal because we're on radio, (laughs) but let's say there's a therapeutic level, you know, what you, what you go for with hydrocodone. And a person died from an overdose that's just above the therapeutic level. We look at that and say it's probably an accident. Now, mind you, this is also following an investigation. Was the person suicidal? Did mm-hmm. they leave notes? So assuming that's all negative, we look at the therapeutic level. We look at where they are, what's toxic. And then we look at how much they actually ingested. And if it's two, three times higher than the toxic level, then we say, you know, that was, that's not a mistake. Mm-hmm. Plus, you see multiple drugs. And again, this all goes back to scene investigation. When you have empty prescription bottles, 
multiple drugs involved, we look at those. And sometimes we just don't know. In the end, with all the investigative techniques that have been employed, we still don't know, and the manner of death is undetermined. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you see, have you ever <coughs> seen someone, and I don't, I don't know the right lingo, which I guess is best shooting up someone else, but intentionally giving them an, a, a lethal dose of... What's that I've, never, I, I, I've never no heard I do of somebody intentionally giving somebody a lethal, but it's illegal to shoot up somebody else, period. And if they die, you're going to get some sort of a homicide conviction on the deal. If we can make it, does that happen? I mean, is it oh yeah, been, and that's okay. the big push. I mean, it's a fine line. I mean, unless you have witnesses that say I saw him. How do you? Yeah, how do you prove it? How do you prove it? Right. But if we can prove that you gave that person or sold that person the drugs, it doesn't matter if you were there in the room when they died or not. Mm -hmm. This is what the police are going. At. This is the new drug task force issues. Thank you for joining us on another informative episode of Dying to Talk. I definitely learned a lot. If our listeners have any questions about funerals or cremations, either in New Hampshire or Vermont, I'm happy to answer them. Just email me at buddy at finef.net. That's buddy at p-h-a-n-e-u-f.net. Or call me on my direct line at 603-625-5778. Our contact information is in the show notes of this episode too. 